Hello friend, I'm so grateful you're here. Welcome to the Today I Am Enough podcast season three. This season we are taking time to better understand who the women in the New Testament are and their experiences. We will learn more of them, their story, and how Jesus Christ tutored their lives. We will learn more about how much Jesus Christ loves women. For the first 90 days of the season, you can also listen to a second weekly episode. We will be discussing the Book of Mormon. If you aren't aware of the Book of Mormon study group, check out the show notes or my website todayiamenough.com and you can sign up. We are reading the Book of Mormon from January 1st to March 31st and each week I will share my thoughts on the weekly reading and what I take away from it. I am so grateful you're here today. We are discussing some great things today. We are in Helaman 9 through 35 11. And I have to tell you, as I was reading these chapters, I was so grateful to end in chapter 11 because I was ready for Jesus to show up, friends. <laughs> it's it's a little bit rough. So we are going to go through. There are some really big things that happen in these chapters. So let's get started. We are going to start in Helaman 8. Um, the very last verses, just to get us a little intro to chapter nine. And it says in verse 27, yea, go ye into the judgment seat and search and behold, your judge is murdered and he lieth in the blood and hath been murdered by his brethren or his brother who seeketh to sit on the judgment seat. And behold, they both belong in your secret band whose author is Gadianton and the evil one who seeketh to destroy the souls of men. Nephi's talking to these people and these part of the Gadianton group. And so these five men go to the judgment seat at the beginning of chapter nine. And they find that every what Nephi said is true. The chief judge is gone. He's sitting in his own blood and they cannot believe it. So then what happens? The guards see these men and they assume that it's these five men that killed the chief judge. So they chase after them. They end up putting these men in prison and they're called forward to talk to the other judges and tell them what happened. And when they told the part, tell them the part about Nephi, they decided to start searching for Nephi. So they find him and they bind him and they bring him to the other, other judges and they tell Nephi that he needs to confess. So then we have verse 25 to 36, who what happens is Nephi says, and now behold, I will show unto you another sign and see if you will see this thing seek to destroy me. So he says, go to the house of Siantum, who is the brother and say unto him, has Nephi, the pretended prophet who doth prophesy so much evil concerning this people agree with thee and that ye have murdered which ye have murdered, Siazram, who's your brother? And he'll say no. And he said unto him, have you murdered your brother? And he will stand with fear with what you say. And behold, he shall deny unto you. And he shall make as if he were astonished. So then he says, and you shall examine him and you shall find blood upon the skirts of his cloak. And when you have seen this, you shall say, from whence cometh this blood? Do you not know that it is the blood of your brother? And then shall he tremble and look pale, and even as if death had come unto him. And then ye shall say, because of the fear of your 
paleness, which hath come unto your face. Behold, we know that thou art guilty. And then shall greater fear come unto him. And then shall he confess unto you and deny no more that he had done this murder. So they go. And, and then Nephi says, and you'll know that I had nothing to do with it. And you'll let us all go. And in 37, it says, and it came to pass that they went and did even according as Nephi had said unto them. And behold, the words which he had said were true for according to the words he did deny. And also according to the words he did confess. 39 says, and there were some of the Nephites who believed in the words of Nephi. And there were some also who believed because of the testimony of the five, for they had been converted while they were in prison. I think this story is so fascinating. It's obviously really involved. There's a lot going on, but I love the testimony of a prophet that is given in these in this chapter. Okay, so in chapter 10, Nephi, um, a voice comes into him. And so he's talking to the Lord and the Lord is telling him some things. And in verse 7, it says, Behold, I give unto you power that whatsoever you shall seal on earth shall be sealed in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loosen or shall be loosed in heaven, and thus shall you have power among this people. And when you look at the footnote for power, it says priesthood authority. So Nephi was given the sealing authority, the power, the priesthood power of sealing, which I think is really neat. I don't know that I had like paid much attention to that before. And so Nephi is, he's the prophet. There's a lot of wickedness going on. And the Lord has basically told him, I'll do whatever you ask. If you tell me that there needs to be an earthquake, I'll do it. And whatever you say, we'll do it. Nephi says, can you help this people? In order to help this people, can you allow a famine to come? Because there's a secret band of robbers. The Gadiant robbers are are present at this time. So we are, there's this famine and it actually brings people back to God. Now in verse 11, it says, and now, O Lord, because of this humility, wilt thou turn away thine anger and let thine anger be appeased in the destruction of the wicked men whom thou hast already destroyed. Okay, so in verse 21, it says, And the more part of the people, both the Nephites and the Lamanites, did belong in the church, and they did have exceedingly great peace in the land, and thus ended the seventy and seventh year. And the Nephites and the Lamanites are both believing people, and they are doing well. And two years later, there began to be much strife, and then it just continues and they're stirring up of anger and war begins again. So they only have a couple years where they're actually peaceful. And it talks about that the robbers are wrecking havoc and just causing all sorts of things. And by eight years later from that time where they were peaceful, in the 80 and second year, they began again to forget the Lord. And in the 80 and third, they began to wax strong in iniquity. And the 80 and fourth, they did not mend their ways. And the 185th, they did wax strong and stronger in pride and their wickedness, and thus the ripening begins towards destruction. And then ends the 80 and fifth year. We're going to skip over to chapter 13. So 13 through 15 is Samuel the Lamanite. The crazy thing to me about Samuel the Lamanite is we have these two incredible chapters, and he just like comes, right? And it came to pass that in this year there was one Samuel the Lamanite. And then when he's done, he just leaves and we never hear of Samuel the Lamanite again. So Samuel the Lamanite comes and he is teaching and in he, he's been teaching and the people cast him out and he starts to go home. And then the voice of the Lord came and tells him that he needs to return 
and prophesying to the people whatsoever thing should come into his heart. So he got up on the wall and he started teaching. And he told them that who he was. He told them that he spoke the words of the Lord and that he was going to speak from his heart and that they needed to listen. And it came to pass that the people and um, unto this people and nothing can save the people, save it were repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, who surely shall come into the world and shall suffer many things. So that's what his message is going to be. It's going to be about repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. So in verse 11, it says, but if you will repent and return unto the Lord, your God, I will turn away mine anger. Thus saith the Lord. Yea, thus saith the Lord, blessed are they who will repent and turn unto me, but woe unto him that repenteth not. So I love this thought that we need to repent and return and repent and turn. Repentance is just turning toward Jesus Christ and changing our ways so that we're facing him again and that we can see him and go our path is towards him. In chapter 14, Samuel is going to give the signs of the birth. And he told them that in five years, the son of God would be born and they could look for the following signs that a day and a night and a day, as if it were one day, a new star. And then he says many more things in verse six and seven. And then he also later in the chapter gives the signs of his death in verses four, starting in verse 14. And the signs are listed in 20 through 29. And some of those are the sun darkening, moon and stars dark as well, no light, three days of complete darkness, thunder, lightnings for hours, earthquakes, rocks falling, formations of the earth changing, great tempests, valleys become mountain, highways broken, cities desolate, graves open, saints shall appear to them. And if you believe, you will be saved. So, Many believed after this, and they went to Nephi and were baptized. Others were really angry. So the beginning of 16 is where we get um, Samuel being shot at. But as many as there were who did not believe in the words of Samuel were angry with him. And they cast stones upon the wall, and also many shot arrows at him as he stood upon the wall. But the Spirit of the Lord was with him insomuch that they could not hit him with the stones, neither with their arrows. And when they saw that they could not hit him, there were many more who did believe in the words insomuch that they went away into Nephi to be baptized. And then in verse 7, it says, And as they went forth to lay their hands on him, behold, he did cast him down from the wall and did flee out of the lands, yea, even into his own country, and began to preach and prophesy among his own people. That is the end of Samuel the Lamanite and the end of the book of Helaman. So third Nephi is the son of Nephi who is Helaman's grandson. Helaman. There's two Helamans, so of course, right? We talked about that too. We are going to jump right in to uh, the birth of Christ, which happened right away. The signs of Christ's birth come in this chapter, and what's happening is that the wicked are going to slay the righteous because they're like, Christ, There's these signs are not coming. And so Nephi goes and prays unto the Lord. And the Lord says, be of good cheer for to for behold, the time is at hand and on this night shall the sign be given. So this sign is coming in verses 15. The people began to be astonished because 
there was no darkness when the night came. So they just, they watched the sun set and it stayed bright and they watched the sun rise. And they knew it was the day that the Lord would be born because of the sign which had been given. What happens now is actually they decide, oh, this is, we're going to re, we're going to reset our time. So they've been going off. Um, they've had the time that Lehi left Jerusalem and then judges that they've used the, the time for. And they're going to go from this sign that's been given to keep track of time from here on out. For, uh, chapter two, verses five through eight is that's where it talks about it. A hundred years have passed away since the days of Mosiah, who was king over the people of Nephites, and 609 years passed away since Lehi left Jerusalem, and nine years have passed away from the time when the sign was given. Um, this is chapter two. And so they're going to go from that time now. So they had the three days of no darkness. And it talks about that a little bit more. And the Lamanites had become converted unto the Lord, did unite with the brethren of the Nephites and were compelled with the safety of their lives. And it came to pass that those Lamanites who were united with the Nephites were numbered among the Nephites. So there were some that were converted with this sign that came and they were united as one. We're going to start a lot of fighting <laughs> Gadiant robbers that are just coming and they are proposing to the Nephites that they should just come and join them. Like literally that's what he says. He says, um, you should become acquainted with our secret works and become our brethren that you may be like unto us, not our slaves, but our brethren and partners in all substances. So the leader of the Nephites says in verse 11, he was exceedingly astonished. Like he couldn't even believe that they were asking this of him. And so they refuse, obviously. And so in verse, in chapter four, verses 10 through 11, they have started, a war has started. They are in full-fledged Lamanite versus Nephite war. And verse chapter four, verse 10 says, and, it, and in this thing, they were disappointed for the Nephites did not fear them, but they did fear their God and did, and did supplicate him for protection. Therefore, when the armies of Gidgadonai did rush unto them, they did were prepared to meet them. Yea, in the strength of the Lord, they did receive them. And the battle commenced in this the sixth month, and great and terrible was the battle thereof. Yea, great and terrible was the slaughter thereof, insomuch that there never was known so great a slaughter among all the people of Lehi since he left Jerusalem. So this war was big. It was really really big. The leader of the robbers was killed, Gidgadonai. The people of God repent. It says in verse five, and now behold, there was not a living soul among the people of the Nephites who did doubt in the least the words of the holy prophets who had spoken, for they knew that it was must needs be that they must be fulfilled. So this is just these people. They've just won this battle with the help of um, their savior. And they had some people that joined them and they're just praising God and repenting and being humble. And they know that Christ will come. They, they know it. And they did forsake all their sins and their abominations and their whoredoms and did serve God with all diligence day and night. We're going to skip a little in chapter eight. We get to the words of Samuel, the Lamanite coming to pass the signs of his death. So there's great and terrible tempests, greater than had ever been seen before. The thunder that shook the entire earth 
sharp lightning. City of Moroni sunk and people went with it into the sea. Zarahemla was taken by fire. The city of Moroniha became a mountain. The whole face of the land northward was changed. Highways were broken. Notable cities sunk and burned and, and shaken. And then darkness. It says they could feel the vapor of darkness. There was literally no ability for your eyes to even adjust to the darkness. It was so dark. So there was no light to be seen for three days. They could not start fires, anything. Like it was just dark. So then in chapter nine, it says, verse one, and it came to pass that there was a, a voice heard among all the inhabitants of the earth upon all the face of the land crying, woe, woe, woe unto this people, woe unto the inhabitants of the whole earth, except ye shall repent for the devil laugheth and his angels rejoice because of the slain of the fair sons and daughters and the people is because of their iniquity and abominations that they had fallen. So he the voice of the Lord speaks and they hear it. And he says later in that chapter, behold, I am Jesus Christ. I created the heavens and the earth. And he testifies of who he is. And he says, I am the light and the life of the world. I am alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. And he continues in chapter 10. It says, and it came to pass all the people of the land did hear these sayings and did witness of it. And after these sayings, there was silence in the land for the space of many hours. And then a voice came again. He says, How oft have I gathered you as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings and have nourished you. So that's one time. And again, how often have I gathered you? And it says, who have fallen, you that have fallen. How often have I gathered you and you would not be gathered? How often have I gathered you? And if you repent and return unto me, with full purpose of heart, you can come into me. So then the three days pass away in the morning and the darkness dispersed from off the face of the land and the earth did cease to tremble. And there was a lot of mourning because a lot had happened. I'm sure it was a lot to take in after not being able to see anything. Chapter 11 comes and there was a great multitude gathered together of the people of Nephi round about the temple, which was in the land bountiful. And they were marveling and wondering one with another and were showing one another the great and marvelous changes that had taken place. And they were all conversing about this Jesus Christ whom the sign had been given concerning his death. And they heard a voice as if it came out of heaven and they cast their eyes round about and they understood not the voice. And then verse four, and it came to pass again, they heard the voice and they understood it not. And again, the third time they did hear the voice and did open their ears to hear it and their eyes towards the sound thereof. And they did look steadfast towards heaven from whence the sound came. When we hear the voice of the Lord, when we hear the spirit speaking to us, do we open our ears and cast our eyes round about? Do we listen? Do we focus on that voice and learn from it? And that's a huge thing that we can learn from these people is opening our ears and listening. And then they understood the voice and what it was saying unto them. And then in verse seven, heavenly father speaks, which doesn't happen very often. Behold, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased in whom I have glorified it by name. Hear ye him. They see Jesus descending out of heaven and he stretches forth his hand in verse 10 through 14. And he invites them one by one. He says in verse 15, and it came to pass the multitude went forth and thrust their hands into his side and did feel the prints of the nails in his hands and in his feet. And this they did do going forth one by one until they had all gone forth 
and did see that his eyes did did feel with their hands and did know of a surety and did bear record that he was of whom it was written by the prophets should come. This is how Jesus always ministers. We are seeing it in the New Testament as we're studying Come Follow Me this year. And we see here in the Book of Mormon, Jesus teaches and testifies and heals and loves one by one. Jesus then gives Nephi the power to baptize or the authority to baptize and then calls others to help in that process. He tells them you need to repent, you need to have a desire, and then you need to be baptized. And in verse um, 25, it actually gives a baptismal prayer that we still currently use. 29, and verily I say unto you that he that hath the spirit of contention is not of me, but is of the devil, who is the father of contention, who stirreth up the hearts. And then in verses 30 and 31, he says, this is not my doctrine. Such things should be done away. This is my doctrine that we love one another. This is my doctrine that we turn unto the father. I love that he clarifies that his doctrine is, uh, I bear record that from the father that believeth. And again, I say unto you that you must repent and come become as a little child and be baptized in my name, or you can in no wise receive these things. This is actually the second time. Let's see, 33 and 37 are almost identical. He's telling them they need to believe, to be baptized and repent, and you must repent and be baptized. It's said over and over. So we know that those are the things that he's teaching first, is repent and be baptized. But I love that we get to end all these wars with Jesus, teaching them one by one, and allowing them to come forth and testify and know him better. And I'm really excited to get into the rest of Third Nephi this coming week, and so we can continue to learn more about the Savior. So next week's readings are Third Nephi 12 through 30, and I'm excited to dive in next week. I hope you have a great week.